the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Guerrilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. I'm your host and this is episode 445. With me today, our guest is James Cridland from podnews.net. Welcome, James. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting. Well, it's exciting for me. I listen to you uh, sort of most most days of the week, Monday to Friday. Excellent. Well, you'll you'll never get that time back. <laughs> <laughs> now you've just arrived in New Zealand this afternoon. I have indeed. Yes. Well, welcome. Yes, it's nice. It's a it's a it's a day of firsts for me. It's um, uh, my first time in Auckland, and it was my first time getting here on a lime scooter. So it's a whole a whole day of firsts for me. Can't be any more exciting. Awesome. I did see a lime scooter out front when I arrived, and I wondered wondered if you had uh, lime lime scooted uh, here. Uh, I most certainly had. Yeah, yes, was, I've awesome. actually worked out how to how to get them to start, which is a uh, which took a bit of a bit of practice. But still, there we are. <laughs> Have you driven any uh, e scooters before? No, that was uh, that was a first. They are in uh, in my hometown of Brisbane as well. So. Um, but I couldn't. I, I haven't really had an opportunity yet, so it's quite nice to have. Uh, yeah, quite nice to play with one. Excellent, excellent. Oh, that's uh, that's good. Now you're based in Bris- Brisbane, but uh, I am. Your 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 accent give, gives away that you're from uh, a little bit further further afield. <laughs> How can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So I'm um, uh, so I'm a Brit, obviously born and bred. Um, and uh, worked in various radio stations actually in the UK for uh, a, a long, a long number of years, and uh, moved to Australia three and a half years ago. Okay, good stuff. Well, let's let's jump in. Lots of news as always to uh, to talk about. And since we've got you here, and uh, podcasting is uh, is the world that you're very deeply involved in, we'll be talking uh, about the state of podcasting uh, during the show as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, first uh, story up: um, Facebook in the news again, and in. Um, uh, a typical situation for Facebook, uh, not uh, not showing them in a particularly good light. Now, this uh, this, this story that's come to light um, relates to uh, Facebook moderators in the, in the US who uh, they work through a firm that contracts to uh, Facebook and provides uh, moderation services, and that that means that uh, th- this team, about um, eight hundred or uh, uh, or so workers there, are trying to keep Facebook uh, nice and um, you know somewhat sanitised for mm. uh, uh, for audiences, and of course sometimes they get it wrong, sometimes they. I mean, you, yeah, you can have all sorts of opinions on what what ends up landing on uh, on on Facebook, uh, but it uh, it sounds like it's a a, a pretty uh, challenging uh, job looking after and and trying to uh, you know keep a bit of a uh, a bit of a balance on what uh, what ends up on on Facebook, and of course there there do tend to be extreme things, and what's been in the news uh, most recently in, in New Zealand around uh, uh, the attack in Christchurch, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure, has uh, has been on your radar as well. Mm. It seems to have created attention a, a uh, globally. Uh, but you know, this the story is sort of you know highlighting that uh, these moderators don't seem to be particularly well uh, looked after. And of course, when you when you're looking at the uh, the likes of extreme um, violence or pornography and so on. That's uh, it's mm. not something that's probably too too healthy to be looking at on an ongoing basis. No, indeed. Basis. I, I mean, I saw this and I thought, you know, so Facebook have 30,000 people worldwide who are looking at this kind of content um, all the time. And, I mean, I used to moderate an online community. I had to deal with a bunch of idiots on there. Um, but nothing, nothing like uh, this. But clearly, you know, uh, I mean, after the Christchurch uh, mosque shootings, everybody was um, saying, you know, well, Facebook should be moderating this stuff, and they've got th- thirty thousand people moderating this stuff. Um, th- that's a real concern. And to me, you know, yes, the problem is clearly with uh, F- 
Facebook to make sure that they look after these people. Um, but also the real problem about Facebook isn't Facebook itself. It's the people that use it. Uh, it's you and me. And that's You're the a real first worry. person I've, he- I've heard say this other than me. This is what I've said <laughs> on national news in New Zealand yeah. is, hold on, we've got to look at it. We've got to look at ourselves, right? Yeah, uh, and, terrifying. And, and there's, there's been a sort of a big, uh, yeah, a lot of noise in the media saying, oh, look, yeah, Facebook should should have better AI and they should, you know, solve this. But it, it is it is more complex yes, than that. So we should I'm, be better, <laughs> better people as well. But, you know, I mean, you know, and occasionally I'll see, you know, well-meaning, um, you know, well-meaning people sharing, you know, anti-vax uh, stuff or whatever it might be. Yeah. And you and you just think, you know, well, it's, it's you know, sort of relatively harmless, I suppose. But, you know, really, why are you sharing that? But mm, crikey, mm. the amount of stuff that those 30,000 people across the world have to go through. Um, you know, it's, it's, just, uh, it's just astounding. Mm. Yeah, it, it is shocking. And, if, and of course, those main offenders are, are somewhat dissimilar to, to you and me, I, I, I hope. Yes. Uh, and and it is it is worrying the sort of the you know the level of um yeah the 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 extremeness of of what does get shared, but that's the nature of a platform as big as mm. Facebook with uh, you know billions of uh, of active users. Yeah, you, uh, uh, you create this situation. Yeah, and you've got billions, both billions of active users, but you've also got um you know theoretically sh- uh, safe spaces where they can talk about things that they want to talk about and. You know, you and I are probably in a safe space where we talk about podcasting where nobody else can see that. That's different from a safe space where you might be talking about all kinds of other things. And I think that's a, you know, that's a real concern that Facebook can be helping this kind of uh, communication going on. But also, you know, having so many people looking after all this stuff is, um, you know, it's quite it's quite a thing. Yeah, well, I, I hope, um, yeah, they manage to uh, get the get the right balance with how they how they look after um, these these moderators. And, yeah, and, and let's of course, be fair. By the way, it's 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 not Facebook looking after them. It's it's the third party company who they have contracted out. And if that third party company isn't good enough to look after their employees, then frankly, it shouldn't it shouldn't have that contract. No, but you know, there's a there's a degree here to which the you know the Facebooks of the this world and so on mm. they they use outside contractors for particular reasons, right? Yes, and, uh, of course. Um, you know, sometimes you you put that oh well, it's not our stuff, so we can't take responsibility for for that. Um, you know, it, I, I guess we you know you could you could compare that a little bit to some of the issues we've seen with manufacturers in, in, in China and, and mm-hmm. other and other markets. There's a little bit of mm-hmm. distancing and there's cost savings and and and, and the like, I'm sure. Um, so I mean ultimately I, I see it's, it's it's definitely still Facebook's responsibility, but hmm. um, um, yes. Anyway, we'll move on we'll move on from that one. <laughs> um, a, a headline really uh, caught caught my attention this last week, and there's a, a video uh, to go with it, or a bit a bit of other content that's that's been around it uh, about the U.S. Air Force with a new drone killing microwave weapon named Thor. <laughs> Just, just. It was just Thor that uh, grabbed you, was it? Um, <laughs> look, it, it, you know, we've followed these things for for a while over the years. It, you know, you probably uh, would have heard the news reports around. Uh, was it Gatwick that got yes, uh, got got shut down uh, in got recent down recent of, months? A right? number of times um, for maybe a drone, although at the end of it they weren't quite sure. That's right. Uh, bless very him. strange, but very strange circumstance. And then we've seen. Uh, other parts of the world where they've been working on various mechanisms to be able to control rogue drones. I think it was Japan where they had nets that they could drop on them and mm. uh, and so on. So this is something that has been you know has been looked at around the world. Fortunately, we haven't other than in military style drones, we haven't sort of seen that blending of consumer drones becoming um, mm. too dangerous as yet. Uh, but you can imagine in some parts of the world at some point uh, the consumer drones will be uh, probably you know modified to cause some yeah. uh, uh, some harm you know particularly in in locations where 
you know, where we see those sort of suicide uh, bombing type uh, scenarios mm-hmm. and and uh, and so on. So uh, this uh, approach from the, the U.S. military uh, to be able to take out uh, rogue drones on uh, mass, actually, so not you know not just single uh, drones, but uh, even potentially uh, swarms of uh, of enemy drones um, by uh, by firing microwaves at them sounds uh, sounds kind of cool as long as you're not mm. in the wrong place and you you don't end up getting cooked. Yes, which is a which is a thing. No, I mean I think this is a. Um, this is a good thing as long as the U.S. Air Force actually shares this, of course, with um, with airports around the world, shares this with other other countries and so on and so forth, because actually you could see that being very useful um, to avoid another Gatwick. Um, uh, there are plenty of things about Gatwick that need to be avoided, let me tell you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I've maybe flown in or out of Gatwick about once in my life, but That's once uh, too many in my book. Uh, but I, <laughs> I, I, it was, a, it was a long time ago. I, I don't remember it, but um, yeah, uh, yes. And what's the other one? Um, the, the Luton um, Airport, London yes. Luton, which isn't really in London. London Luton, which a, yes, which isn't uh, in London really. Um, I did that one once and. Uh, recognized uh, stick with stick with Heathrow yes. so that's uh, there's our travel tips for today folks <laughs> um, I know some of you uh, visit travel talk NZ uh, it may may or may not be on uh, on the site now uh, Waymo mm. uh, teaming up with Nissan and Renault uh, in the development of um, driverless vehicle services now we do tend to uh, talk, and some would say too much, about uh, autonomous cars on the show. But um, this this was a, certainly a story that 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 caught my attention because you know, Waymo have, have seemed to be very much at the forefront of autonomous vehicles for uh, a long time. Uh, of course, uh, Tesla um, feel that they should be uh, in a in a similar category, but with Waymo. There's mm. not, there hasn't really been a way you can go and buy yourself a vehicle with Waymo's technology uh, in it. So the idea of Waymo teaming up with uh, Nissan and uh, and Renault um, sounds uh, sounds quite fascinating to me. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just a business deal at the moment. It, the, the, you know, I think uh, both Nissan and Renault are miles away from actually releasing anything. But I think. Um, you know, I mean, uh, to me, self self driving cars are so far away. They're so in the future, and um, I can see self driving lorries happening very, very soon. Um, because actually, self driving on the motorways, on the highways of this world, is really easy in comparison to self self driving. In, I mean, you know, I was in Bali last week. Uh, if you want to uh, um, self drive down the high street in Seminyak, you're a better man than you or me. Because crikey, I would well, not be doing any of that. Well, even just driving down some of these uh, some of these locations when you've got your hands on the wheel can be pretty challenging, exactly, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, so I think. You know, th- there's a lot, and and from the radio business, as I'm as I'm sort of originally from, there's a lot of concern about self-driving cars because people won't be listening to the radio in cars; they'll be watching Netflix and things like like that. Well, you know, fine, but I think that self-driving cars are, uh, you know, years away, if not decades away, and I don't think that we should be worrying about them personally. All right, right. <laughs> Whereas I, I'm, I'm curious how uh, how close um, you know Elon is to uh, uh, to li- delivering on some of his dreams. Uh, you know, and and you know, of course, I've you know, I've seen you know a bunch of different driverless uh, vehicles mm. and 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 so on. But you realise there are there are some points that are are very challenging. But even yeah. that idea of being able to jump in a vehicle that can that can be um, you know autonomous. On a motorway is, uh, is I think, a, a pretty interesting uh, concept. And, Indeed, and, and I think n- you know the interesting thing with the interesting thing with Tesla is, of course, that they can actually update their cars. Uh, you know, sometimes every week um, with new uh, s- software. And I think that's a big change from how the automotive industry has worked in the past. And, you know, I drive a Prius. That Prius, you know, has had probably one firmware update in its life and that's it. And yeah. it will never have another one. And, you know, th- it's a big difference when you start moving a car to being essentially a computer where you're you're always updating it 
to the latest version. Yeah. Mm, mm. And we will have some more to share on the uh, the Model 3, which, of course, has just uh, uh, become available for ordering in Australia and New Zealand. The first ones of just a first right-hand drive models have just arrived in the UK over the last uh, the last week. So we're starting to see mm. uh, a little bit, bit of feedback from, uh, from people that are trying those. The laws in the UK are somewhat different to New Zealand when it comes to autonomy. So here we're, we're, we're you know, expecting to see, um, you know, probably that technology get, get made available uh, much easier than in the UK based mm-hmm. on the bits and pieces that I've, um, I've mm. read, read to date. So um, that, that is rather interesting and I'm certainly hoping to, uh, to be getting hands-on uh, with one of those ahead of them being um, being de- delivered uh, to those who have uh, who have placed um, who have placed pre-orders, so um, we'll keep that updated over the over the next uh, few few weeks. Um, we'll come certainly come back on that topic. Uh, now the. Um, the situation with uh, U.S. versus uh, China, uh, especially uh, Huawei, you know, of, mm-hmm. of course, still sort of reeling under uh, under this ban. Um, look, this is something that could be could be turned around, and I know that um, Trump will be meeting with his. Uh, his Chinese uh, counterpart uh, in the next was it next next week or or so mm. there's uh, uh, an event coming up. Um, so you know we I don't know whether we'll see any changes uh, in in that. Um, but I did see news coming through that the US have have moved on a little bit from Huawei now and are, um, are banning uh, Chinese supercomputer uh, firms and the Ch- supercomputer institute from. Uh, buying American uh, technology, which is is going to, I think, uh, you know, have have uh, uh, quite a big impact when we look at. Uh, and these aren't figures; probably most of us look at on a regular mm. basis. Um, but there, there is you know, usually a chart you can see. Uh, you know, who owns the biggest supercomputers in the world, who's made them, uh, and and so on. And China has been, uh, you know, increasingly in that list. Over the last uh, few years, uh, but now with this uh, this ban, uh, that will quite you know possibly uh, change the picture uh, by a, by a fairly large degree. I would I would think if this stays it stays in place. Yeah, I mean you know it's such a stupid thing to do to firstly tell the Chinese that they can't buy uh, American chips and American um, you know parts um, to put into their supercomputers, so that a people like Intel lose out but also that will then mean that the Chinese will develop their own of and so will. Intel will lose out again what what sort of what sort of boneheaded uh, you know <laughs> president would end up doing that sort of thing to basically you know uh, stab a company uh, stab a, an American company not just once but twice I mean it just seems it just seems you know um, madness but then a lot of what's coming out of uh, the US is is madness at the moment although they're all very nice people and I'm looking forward to being there in Orlando in a couple of weeks um, so so there we are um, but yeah gosh mm. um, well I'm, yeah I'm certainly not going to get into that debate I, I mean I, I've seen <laughs> both sides of it I was talking mm-hmm. to, to somebody uh, about some of the things that Trump's you know enacted and uh, they were saying well you know look at what the economy's doing actually this stuff seems to be working so um, look I, I don't don't want to uh, don't want to get into uh, into that dis- that discussion uh, today but yeah will be it'll be something where time will tell us how mm. it, how it plays out but I, I certainly am am wondering that uh, just you know how quickly the Chinese will be will be covering those gaps yeah uh, if you know if the US can't supply you know certain you know bits and pieces processes what have you mm. uh, then yeah ab- absolutely there will be other ways that this uh, this this gets done ultimately mm. and uh, that will uh, have a detrimental impact although you, know, you don't know how many years off uh, that is um, 
But, yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, on the Huawei front, there were a couple of uh, headlines uh, caught my attention. One is that Huawei is saying that they will be um, delivering Android Q, the next version of Android, uh, to a bunch of their smartphones, in- including the newest uh, P30 uh, Pro and the P30 series. Mm. Which is interesting. So I'm not sure exactly how they're planning to uh, do that. I haven't had any uh, press release or any anything through from them locally. Um, so I might see what we can what we can dig out of them over the next uh, few days uh, to fill that picture in because I think that's been one of people's concerns as well. If we keep buying the phones. We, we might be all right for security updates. Maybe they'll be a little bit delayed, uh, but we're unlikely to get the, the future versions of Android. So mm. uh, I think that will be very encouraging for those who uh, who use uh, Huawei phone, which in New Zealand is, is, has been a growing percentage of the population uh, up until the last last few weeks with, with recent news. Um, the other headline was that uh, Huawei say that they've uh, now sold over two million of their uh, their smartwatch, the watch uh, Huawei Watch uh, GT. This is the one we talked about um, oh, some some months ago. I, I gave it a try and found yeah pretty impressive battery life about mm. te- about ten days. Um, there, there, there are some differences to a, a watch that's sort of always connected and always uh, chewing, chewing through battery life. But in, in most regards, sleep tracking and all sorts of other things, it, it seemed to be pretty good. And uh, yeah, it seems like uh, two million other people uh, thought the same and have yeah, gone out and bought it, which is impressive numbers for a, for a wearable. It is interesting, and, and you know, I mean, only a couple of years ago, the uh, the uh, Huawei uh, CEO, um, who at that time I don't know whether it still is, uh, was a man called Eric Hu Jijun, and and he basically said that smartwatches are rubbish. Um, I don't know why we keep on doing them, and he 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 was trying to stop some of his staff from coming up to him with good ideas about smartwatches because he was basically saying nobody wanted them. So it's it's strange to hear him two years later, or to hear the company two years later. Yeah. Yeah. Saying that, saying that they're a wonderful thing. I used to wear a um, a, a Huawei um, uh, Android Wear watch, uh, and it was very nicely built, and mm. uh, you know mm. it was a really nice thing. And um, you know, and it was partially Huawei saying such bad things about uh, smartwatches that made me think, well, maybe I shouldn't buy another one of those. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that, yeah, that's interesting. I do remember that. Uh, I do remember that statement, and it and it struck me as very. Uh, very odd because um, he be, made be because they they were selling wearables at the time. I'd used some of their Indeed. wearables that were very good. They had um, they had a little sort of narrow band that they sold for a while. Um, I'm trying to remember what it, what it was called. It, it's sort of a fitness band, um, right? Yeah, and it was yeah quite quite um, quite fancy looking. There were different different colours. Um, but the the one I had, um, you know, looked looked reasonable to wear. Mm. Um, but the unique about it was, so it looked somewhat like a Fitbit in terms of it being sort of uh, you know rectangular, you know, long across your your, your wrist. Mm. Um, but you could actually unsnap it out of the the thing around your wrist, and uh, it had a it was basically became a Bluetooth earpiece. So if you needed the occasional sort of, uh, you know, Bluetooth earpiece while you yeah. may be in the car or something, you didn't have another setup, you're in a rental car or whatever, um, you know, I don't know, riding a bike and put it under your helmet, yeah. they're varying, varying scenarios. And that was good, I mean, wasn't not, it? Not something that, that, that caught on, but it, yeah. was, uh, uh, it was actually quite cool. Yeah. Uh, but there, there you go. But uh, wow. um, not, not to be fair, not something I <laughs> kept on. I, I kept on, on using. No. Um, but it was a cool, cool little idea. Mm. Um, anyway, so yeah, there's there's a little uh, update on the uh, Huawei front, and um, we will we will see how things progress for uh, <laughs> uh, for uh, yeah, Huawei. Indeed. All right. So um, now on to um, oh, there was there was one other uh, international. Uh, story was um, Walmart. Uh, it's come out that they have uh, about a thousand cameras throughout their stores that are um, tied back to an AI system that is looking for uh, theft scenarios. So situations, for instance, where uh, a checkout operator misscans or doesn't scan correctly. 
and so effectively goods are walking uh, walking out the door without getting uh, getting paid for. Mm. Now, I mean, I think the the whole thing around surveillance now, we we you know we we generally uh, in Western society, um, you know, a, a bit a bit cautious about this stuff, and it does depend where you are in the world. In the UK, there's I think you know hordes of hordes of uh, cameras in terms of, of crime prevention and so on. Uh, China, they seem to be you know very well liked and appreciated um, by the by the public. And and something I heard recently was how people feel quite safe in in the cities where the cameras are. But you go out to some of the provinces and they're a, they're a little bit more uh, edgy because. Uh, yeah, people mm. may be a little bit more relaxed. I guess mm. it's a little bit like going somewhere where you know there are police and you can see them around, and going somewhere uh, where, where 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 there's not. And mm. uh, so, yeah, very very, um, very interesting that they've uh, they've done this. Now, Walmart are in that reasonably unique position as a retailer. They've just got they've got so much retail, and they account for you. Know, um, hundreds yeah. of billions of dollars worth of uh, worth of sales uh, a- annually, I believe. Uh, so something that can even save them a sort of a you know a fraction of a of a of a percentage point uh, yeah, to them big, is huge big money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Walmart Walmart as an economy is larger than Ireland, which I think is just <laughs> the world's most ridiculous stat. Yeah, but yeah, you know, and I, I mean, to me, if, you know, in in a store. I think it's absolutely fine for Walmart to be using any methods it can to make sure that people pay for their stuff. Um, And I think, you know, at the end of the day, if they are, uh, you know, tracking both people who are putting putting their thumb on the, um, you know, on the weighing machine or whatever it might be, um, you know, unexpected item in the bagging area and all of that, um, then I think that that's absolutely fine. So, uh, yeah, I've I've not got a particular concern about that. Mm. Well, you know, these things used in the right way can yeah can be can be very effective. Mm. Uh, it's being supplied by a, an Irish company, uh, Everseen. So this is the sort of thing that we may well see turn up in the in the New Zealand market because it's not just something that they've developed. Mm. Uh, and and one thing that I like around seeing um, Walmart sort of you know innovate and and use new and 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 reasonably cutting edge type technologies. Uh, is that well? If they're using it, it's probably likely to be you know reasonably easily available to other firms. Yeah. With Amazon, I'm never quite so sure because you can imagine uh, in a lot of cases, yes, the technology they will want to make a- available, and if it's some sort of cloud service, then probably others can uh, can jump on board with it. Uh, but of course, in some cases, you might imagine them developing technologies that they they don't make more broadly. Uh, available and when I look at a at a little market like New Zealand, uh, yes, in some cases we'll innovate and we'll invent these technologies and so on. Uh, but in a lot of cases, it will it will come down to technology being developed elsewhere. Uh, yeah. That for our local entities to be able to compete uh, with the WalMarts and the Amazons and so on, uh, they'll yeah. need to be able to easily get their hands on uh, on the technologies. Yeah. But I think you know, I mean, anything you know, in the in a countdown store or whatever, m- making sure that um, people aren't um, stealing stealing stuff is probably a good thing i mean what what would be crazy for example is to is to have um some kind of system where you'd be uh, measuring human beings people while walking around y- using their mobile phones i mean that would be <laughs> that would be utterly crazy and i'm i'm sure that new zealand isn't thinking about doing that are you <laughs> uh, very funny james he's read the uh, read the next headline <laughs> um so uh statistics new zealand Zealand in conjunction with our mobile carriers are um, looking to get a bit of a handle on uh, on where 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 our uh, where our people are measuring population uh, density. Now, uh, I think New- News Hub and, and others uh, p- picked up on this, hmm. um, but yeah, the the term of uh, measuring population uh, density uh, product uh, from uh, data. Ventures, which is the commercial arm of Statistics New Zealand, um, sounds interesting. Look, the challenge with these things is when 
the data isn't contained or when dots yeah. can be joined together and uh, you can find out all sorts of things that you that you, you shouldn't know. Mm. And I guess, you know, that's the challenge. And, and we saw that, we were talking about Fitbit earlier, we saw the situation where, uh, where Fitbit made available information and uh, it was possible to work out where uh, US military lo- locations were. So yes. sometimes there can be unintended consequences. Now, mm. as long as there aren't any with this, uh, and it's positive things that help society, yeah. then that could be good. I, I mean, I can see that. I mean, you know, so London Underground uses mobile phones, but uses the Wi-Fi pinging off mobile phones to work out where people go in stations and right. to work out actually, you know, if you get in, get on on King's Cross and out in Hoburn, which way are you going? Because you could be doing the Northern Line, you could be doing the Piccadilly Line, who knows? So, um, So actually being able to use technology in that way seems fine i think i think the concern the knee-jerk reaction that i i i have from reading this particular story is you're talking to mobile phone networks who have to know who you are in order to charge you so it's not it's not a case of a random mac address on a on a wi-fi connection it's far more than that it's a it's actually which mobile phone uh, is going where i.e which human being is going where and well they already a, know that that's a different right that, and of course they already so if you've seen enemy of the state uh, indeed we, we, we've seen the extremes of where, of where yes. that could go but if they're not providing that information back to statistics new zealand and their and they're just providing the the anonymized. Yes. Uh, and they d- and they continue to keep our data safe. We we, we hope we hope they are because mm. they know where you are right now. Well, so th- there um, was a, there was a big case a few years ago with uh, TomTom, and mm. TomTom were feeding back um, to the Dutch police, I think it was, uh, where people were speeding. Um, now they weren't feeding back who was speeding; they were just feeding back where people were speeding. Now, if I was the Dutch police, I'd be I'd be going, uh, "Brilliant! I will put my um, I'll put my speed cameras on these on these roads." Um, and people were, you know, and and in the process saved some lives, James. And in the process saved <laughs> saved some lives, and people were very concerned about TomTom doing that. And I'm kind of on the fence, yeah, uh, on that because at the end of the day it was you know data that wasn't just anonymized it couldn't have been unanonymized and what concerns me about uh stuff which is tied into your your mobile phone is that your imei your thing that tells your mobile phone um which mobile phone it is you know who it's owned by um uh is something that is in this data somehow and could be un un Anonymized, anonymized. <laughs> it's easy for me to say, yeah. um, and that's that's the concern I think yeah. I've got. Yeah. All right. No, I um, I get that, and and I, and I and I know there'll be others that will be be concerned about this. Certainly, my expectation would be that the uh, the data that flows outside of the the carriers, the telcos would would not identify you know, mm. any individual. Um, that would be a reasonable but, expectation, but, um, but, but who knows? But, but, but we, have, we haven't seen it, and you never you never know what silly stuff goes on at times, or, hmm. oh, accidentally sent you the wrong file. Can you please delete that? Yes, uh, These exactly. sorts of things do, do happen. So-and-so wants to withdraw this email. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so um, there we go. But um, well, I think that that's that's the uh, that's our kind of general news things for this week. But since we we have uh, have you here, James, the privilege mm. of having you in New Zealand. Now you're speaking uh, tomorrow at the conference being uh, put on by uh, the Radio Bureau and uh, AU AUT here in Auckland. Um, so I thought we should spend a little bit of time talking about podcasting and you seem to travel the world advising people on uh, on things, all things podcasting as well as uh, give me my daily fix of, uh, of podcasting <laughs> news, yeah. uh, which, which, which is, uh, is, is very helpful. Um, yeah. And it's not the first time today that I've said that. I was asked on TV3 this morning, so Paul, what do you listen to? And uh, so Paul... Pod news got uh, got a mention on uh, excellent. On, on TV got a mention on the telly. Morning. I yep. would I yep. would I would uh, be very excited to see that <laughs> in video. 
so I'll, uh, I, will sh- I will share that with you. Um, <laughs> so, so that 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 was mm. a bit of fun. Um, but yeah, so the the um, conference tomorrow. What, I'm just trying to remember what it's, yeah, called. it's called. It's called the Power of Audio. That's it. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's talking about you know radio, yes, but also podcasting as well. And and mm. you know we shouldn't forget you know eighty three percent of people in New Zealand listen to the radio every single week that number for podcasting well nobody really knows but it's <laughs> significantly less it's probably likely to be in the region of about 20% so you know radio is still very large but podcasting is clearly growing and is clearly you know part of the future of, of what we consume in terms of audio so that's really why we're there tomorrow mm. Uh, and in fact, actually, by the time most people hear this, uh, because we're recording a, a, a little bit early, um, it will it will already be over. Yes, it's so already um, it's already over. And yeah. the good news is, I'm no longer in your country. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it too. I'm on a panel uh, with you during the morning as well. We've got um, uh, Amazon. Uh, there, uh, Kate uh, Burley from uh, Amazon, who used to head up Intel uh, Australia, New Zealand. Uh, she she now uh, is in charge of Amazon Alexa mm. uh, in the region. So she she'll be talking a little bit about um, consuming audio through the likes of of Alexa, uh, which is which is how I tend to listen to the sort of short daily shows, yeah. uh, like like Pod News. Uh, I mean, you were saying before, because you because of the nature of your show, which is a daily news show, uh, a pretty high percentage of your uh, your listeners are actually listening through a Google Home or an Amazon Alexa. Yeah, um, and part of the news briefing. So if you go into news briefing in, in either Amazon Alexa or your Google Home, uh, then you'll find pod news in there um and lots of people are using it to the point where it's probably about half of the total amount of traffic that i'm getting um which is very high and i think you know it shows uh, but it is interesting though because when you look at smart smart speakers essentially you've got virtually no one listens to a smart speaker to listen to a podcast virtually no one the figures are so small that they are um you know almost zero i know for new zealand tech podcasts we, we look at our you know look at those stats and and for a long form podcast it just doesn't seem to be yeah it's not yeah there's, there's a little bit of listening going on there's uh, a little bit but, but it's, not, it's it's you know it's less not than a percentage yeah, um yeah. whereas you look at radio and radio does tremendously well uh, on smart speakers. So my my theory on this, and it's a theory that I've been talking about for a number of years now, is that um, radio stations um, work best when their live output is on a speaker, but then they should be thinking about what they do in terms of on-demand separately, but not to assume that a mobile phone, for example, through headphones, um, that people want to have listened to the live uh, station because, you know, all of the research that we see, all of the evidence that we see seems to show that no, they don't. They're far more interested. People are far more interested in listening to podcasting, listening to on-demand music, listen to anything other than live radio. Um, and that's a really interesting sort of, you know, step, I think. But certainly in terms of smart speakers, uh, you know, I work in the radio industry. I don't own a radio at home anymore. Um, all of my listening now is, is, through, is through a smart speaker. And I've got very adept at working out how to ask for my specific radio station choices um, on the smart speakers, which is not always as easy as it might seem. It, it, can, be a, it can be a challenge trying to get the right results out of uh, Amazon um, yes, there's a Alexa. there's a radio station that I still can't listen to on the Amazon Alexa, w- which I have, which is banished into the office. Yeah, okay. um, there's a radio station which I can't listen to um, because you know I, um, uh, Amazon simply doesn't understand me. Whereas <laughs> Google, I've worked out that if I want to listen to this radio station where I live called Four Triple Z, and Google, I've worked out that if I ask for Four ZZZ then it will actually find the radio station, which, of course, it's not called because we're not American. Um, and so that that's really interesting. But I think once you once you get in there, then you realize that this is just the same as a radio. It's in a shared space as radio is. It's used while you're doing other things as radio is. You know, there really is no difference, really. Whereas podcasting, you know, 90% of us listen to podcasts alone. Um, you know, it's a very uh, personal, intimate thing. I think 64% of all podcasts are listened to on headphones. So it's a very intimate thing. 
and that doesn't actually work too well with a smart speaker which is typically in shared space yeah i i agree it's um it's it's not it's not quite the right fit for lots of things that you can consume f- through it uh, mm. similar to the audio books right you can but um yes. it doesn't doesn't in most cases tend tend to work yeah. unless you're home alone or in that space alone you got it in your you know office etc uh and you know if you're if you're in an office then you've probably got lots of other devices and so on you can uh you could you can you can listen through yeah no, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Um, so we we got uh, shared with us a um, some some pieces of a uh, some audience research that was done. Now there's a uh, a company from where's Acast um, based. So Acast is Swedish. That's right. Yeah, I thought they were in that region, but I couldn't couldn't quite. Uh, couldn't quite place it. So um, Acast have, have been doing some interesting stuff in the, the podcasting business. Uh, one thing they've gone gone and done is they've cut deals with the likes of BBC and now uh, Radio New Zealand and, and others around the world uh, that have huge amounts of content and mm. then they add advertising to it. Now, I've got to say, sometimes I don't – well – I'm unimpressed by their approach, but it works from a monetization perspective. So I've been listening to content in New Zealand uh, that is, um, um, hmm, how do do I put it? So I've been wanting to listen to a podcast. I hit play on that podcast, and then I got what sounds like a radio advert, not like something native that fits with podcasting. Yeah. Um, and that that's sort of part of their model for monetizing, but it means that they can monetize just about you know any bit of audio um, by selling these sort of you know really mm. bulk uh, generic uh, adverts, and and it seems to be working. Uh, and so when you look at the BBC, who in the UK you know give give their content away for free, I don't think they're allowed to run no. ad- advertising much like radio uh, New Zealand, but. For listeners outside of the UK, uh, with their partnership with Acast, means that advertising ends up getting added on uh, to to that content. Uh, and Radio New Zealand are doing something, or RN, RNZ as they've sort of semi-rebranded mm-hmm. to here. We see both names still. Uh, their URL is still Radio uh, New Zealand. Uh, uh, they've partnered with Acast, and I have yet to hear any adverts on RNZ content but that is the reason for their their mm. partnership uh, is to monetize with advertising and whether it's because government are sort of slow to change the rules or maybe government are encouraging it uh, I'm not sure but RNZ don't monetize any other content in fact it's it would be against the relevant um, act for them to put yeah. advertising on Radio New Zealand uh, but they they are uh, they are mm. d- uh, they are and is now, that within within that. New Zealand as well as outside well that's a that's a question that I have have yet to ask so mm. I, I probably need to ask a few more questions because the way that, that the BBC, yeah. the, the way that the BBC works as you know is is that um, uh, it's not quite true to say that uh, all of the BBC's content is free in the UK. You have to pay 350 New Zealand dollars um, uh, every year for it. That's true. Uh, and we and used to d- have to do something similar in New yes. Zealand, but they ended up uh, killing it off because it was such a silly system. No, indeed. Well, you know, if you don't pay that $350, then you get thrown into prison in the UK, um, which is which is a... a Has an, that ever happened? It, it's an excellent business model, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Probably about four or five people do get thrown into prison every year. They are mostly single mothers, um, so you can imagine how well that goes down. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it's it's a system that, um, to be honest, uh, works quite well. It's obviously significantly cheaper than uh, Sky or than Foxtel. Um, you get some great content out of you it. You do, you absolutely um, do. Whereas uh, what they do outside of the UK is the BBC's TV channels, the BBC's radio, um, or you know certainly podcasting contains adverts, um, and so that's you know how how they make their money. And actually, it's probably in the region of about twenty percent of all of the BBC's income is from what they do outside of 
the UK. So the amount of times that you've seen, you know, Top Gear on the TV that they've sold it to goodness knows who else. Um, you know, so that does very well. And I think uh, w- what's interesting is seeing their relationship with Acast. So Acast, for example, in uh, in Australia is sold by Nova Entertainment, which is a large um, commercial radio company. So they are essentially going into advertising agencies and saying, it's really easy for you to buy audio. You can buy radio with us. Uh, We we run a bunch of radio stations across Australia. You can buy podcasts with us. And we, we look after all of these different podcasts in Australia as well. And actually, from an advertising agency point of view, all they want is to reach the right amount of people um, the right type of people um, as easily and with no hassle as they possibly can do and this probably goes some way towards towards actually helping that so you know if um, if ACAST is doing a similar job for RNZ content outside of New Zealand then you know great news sh- it, it should be for everybody because actually that should mean that RNZ gets more money to spend on great uh, content um, and that should mean that uh, you know somebody whoever is reselling it here will do you know a decent amount of business out of that so yeah, yeah uh, what yeah I, I, I'm curious about what you asked about earlier are they doing it inside New Zealand as well and and I haven't seen clarity on that but they've certainly made it um, and they've been talking about this for some time saying yeah. that they're allowed to for you know a number of years now so mm. it's, it's not uh, uh, it's certainly not a, not a surprise to uh, to those that have, that have been watching um, so anyway so what what's come out of uh, acast and, and RNZ and they obviously you know this is the sort of thing uh, that these these companies do to get a bit of attention there's, there's a whole range of statistics um, probably the bit that disappointed me, and um, I, I've emailed and um, been asking for more information today, which I'll, I'll just check my email in case it has landed in my in my inbox in the in the last hour or so. Um, and I hope I haven't missed it. But what what I've been um, uh, what I've been looking uh, looking for is. The stats that we see elsewhere in the world, which tell us exactly, or exactly, I mean, these things are never going to be 100% accurate, but um, what from a survey, uh, what percentage of our population in New Zealand listens to podcasts on a you know, regular basis, mm. a monthly basis or a weekly basis? Um, that information that we, have, we haven't we have seen, and uh, James, you pointed out to me before the show that uh, this particular uh, survey that they did uh, was not a phone poll, but it was actually a, an online uh, type of survey. So mm. that that you know potentially sort of you know dramatically skews the uh, uh, the the figures. Yeah, and, I mean it's easy as well. It's obviously easy to say. Well, virtually all of us are online now, so there shouldn't be any d- difference. But of course, what you end up with is you end up with people who are far more savvy in terms of um, doing online things end up taking online surveys and so you do end up with a bit of a skewed result if you only have you know online surveys the figures that we've got from other parts of the world are from a company called Edison Research who do it who do the uh, produce some figures in a very similar way in uh, in Australia, in the US, in Canada, um, and they've come up with some. I think they've just added uh, South Africa as well. So they've come up with some good stats, which are deliberately um, able to be. Um, uh, compared, yeah. so um, so it's a shame that actually the UK d- doesn't have any of these figures, and that New Zealand doesn't. But having said that, you know some of the figures that are coming out of this research um, looks quite good. So there's a 31 percent figure, which is um, uh, which has been widely reported as 31 percent of people listen to podcasts each week here in New Zealand, which isn't quite the case, is it? It's 31 um, percent of people aware of podcasts listen to podcasts each week. So 31 percent of people who know what they are, which isn't quite the same thing, really. Yeah, and uh, and then the other figure <laughs> was 46 percent. Of people aware of podcasts will listen to a podcast at at, at least once a month, um, but that's you know that that's encouraging. It you know it means the medium is uh, is coming coming along. That you know, nearly half of those who are aware of podcasts 
are listening and you know that to me is a reflection that we have uh, a growing amount of content available uh, through podcasts that uh, you know people are finding content that they find you know relevant and, and engaging mm. but uh, a just a, a very small survey of two people involved in uh, in the in the radio industry who I know that I, I've bumped into over the last week um, both of them involved in uh, breakfast type radio and and, and broadcasts uh, one from one network one from the opposite network one on one side said I never listen to the radio uh, despite working in radio are always listening to podcasts uh, and the other person saying that they uh, they they don't generally listen to podcasts and the reason being was that they got so addicted when they started listening to uh, a particular series uh, that uh, they they didn't do anything else because they found the content uh, so and en- so enticing, <laughs> and yeah. so they've stayed away from uh, from podcasts. But he stopped he stopped uh, listening to you now has he uh, there you go uh, very good yeah no I uh, you know I mean I think I think some of these you know some of the the figures that came out of this are actually pretty good that actually um, it, it, uh, podcasting here skews quite young so around uh, half of all podcast listeners less than 45 and I think also the other thing uh, which is really good to to see is that it's virtually 50-50 male male female um, which certainly didn't used to be the case and um, you know podcasting used to be full of <laughs> technology news podcasts uh, and is now full of uh, more things than that and uh, and that uh, you know clearly uh, it is attracting a more, um, you know, a more representative mix of 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 of, uh, of the audience. So I think, you know, all, all in all, it's pretty good. Um, the data which is coming out of this, you, you know, and it's also, you know, obviously a bit of a shame that you can't necessarily compare it. The one um, piece of data that I found quite interesting was that twenty five percent. Uh, of podcast listeners say that they don't use podcast platforms so things like apple podcasts or google podcasts or indeed spotify they don't use those at all so they presumably are going to websites um and no, James, they're downloading them onto CDs and listening to them <laughs> in their CD player. <laughs> no, I, 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 I presume you're right on that, prob- probably yeah, through I the mean, browser. You know, and I mean, I think it's interesting, uh, Edison's data shows much the same sort of thing. And it's one of the things that I've said a lot, a lot of the time, if you have a podcast, make sure you have a website, first and foremost, and secondly... Put a big play button on it. I'm normally a little bit more sweary, but that's a really important <laughs> thing. Yeah, but, you know, and it's nice to actually see that in some of the research. So that's um, that's a good thing. As an aside, by the way, you say people burn, uh, download and burn pod- uh, uh, podcasts onto CD. When I first moved to Australia, I went to my local ABC shop. So good that they've closed them down. I went to my local ABC shop and I was looking at what they have uh, for you to buy in there. And you could genuinely go in there and buy a USB stick of Conversations, which is the big Australian uh, interview podcast you could genuinely go in there and buy a usb stick of podcasts that's and apparently it's sold really well Whoa, so that's, yeah that's, just uh, just goes to show there there you go well we we've always had opinions about australians here in new zealand james and uh, <laughs> um that one will certainly uh, play into our our opinions of uh, of australians go, go, going forwards um the the other thing that jumped out to me um was there was a little a little um, bar uh, chart, and it said that fifty two percent of listeners regularly use either iTunes or iHeartRadio. And actually, when I looked at those chunks, it looked as though the iHeartRadio one was at least as big, if not bigger, uh, than iTunes. Now, there's there's a little there's a little bit here because iTunes is 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 almost defunct and uh, um, yeah certainly I think they're, they're, they're talking about the, you know all of all of Apple's uh, podcast mm. uh, listening uh, mechanisms which you know, on mobile phone is of course the Apple podcast app uh, but they, that that seems a little odd for me the uh, the percentage of listenership through iHeartRadio and I've never seen any other stats anywhere else in the world or or in any of our own uh, listening 
things that would indicate that sort of listenership through uh, through iHeart uh, Radio. But um, yes, curious all the same. Mm. But it's nice to see some stats and well done to um, Acast and, and RNZ and um, thanks to them for uh, for sharing the stats. Um, I have to give them two shout outs because they were asking me today saying, hey, could we get some attribution on that story on TV3 this morning? There was no mention of us uh, <laughs> in the uh, in the online. So, um, so yeah, th- thanks to uh, thanks to them and um Thanks to you, James, for uh, for joining us on the show today. It's a great pleasure. Um, anything else that any things that are just just you know big on the podcasting front that uh, that we that we should uh, should mention before we close? I mean, I think you know I've found it interesting seeing how many people are now launching subscription uh, podcast apps. So Luminary, of course, launched um, a month or so ago, um, or a little bit longer now. Um, where you end up paying, it's not available here, but it's available in in uh, Australia and the US and Canada and the UK for some reason, um, where you pay $7.99 to listen to whatever p- podcasts you want, uh, including a bunch of premium ones. It's interesting seeing that actually Luminary isn't the only one. Um, there's uh, another company coming in September called Quake Media. There's uh, Podme, which is a Swedish version. There's um, Magellan, which is a French version. Hope you enjoyed my French accent there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously Spotify, although it is free, um, is seeing significant growth and is beginning to put advertising around podcasts as well now. So actually, you know, there is clearly a significant growth in the amount of subscription services. Uh, which are out there, which I think is, you know, interesting in terms of where the future of podcasting is uh, going. And maybe the future of podcasting isn't advertising like we get with Acast. Um, maybe there is a bit more of a future in terms of spending money um, to get uh, the podcast that you really like, you know. So, um, you know, so I found that uh, really interesting to actually, uh, you know, to actually see. And the other... Uh, uh, I think there's some poten- potentially some challenging situations with that. Uh, we see it here, or beginning to see the, the, the start of it here in New Zealand around uh, co- video content consumption yeah. and needing you know needing a whole lot of different subscriptions yes. to get the things you want. You turn this subscription on, do you turn it off now that 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 bit of content's uh, finished? Yes. And Game of yeah, Thrones. We, 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 we may get into us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's a potential to get into a similar thing from uh, from a podcasting uh, perspective. I, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. And I it, it's been interesting seeing you know again actually something that Acast has been doing where they have been building a uh, a subscription model that works with any podcast app, yes, um, excepting Spotify and, and Google Podcasts. But if you accept those two, it works with pretty well any podcast app. And I think that's interesting because that might end up being the way that we go forward. Uh, I think Magellan is interesting because instead of paying a one-off seven euro ninety-nine fee, you can also pay a one-off. Uh, one euro ninety nine fee per podcast instead of seven ninety nine per per uh, per a month. Mm. Just one ninety nine for a podcast, um, so that you're not having to go out and buy every every single podcast in that particular service. So again, I think that people are finding you know feeling their way around this. Um, but you know, if if that's an alternative to somebody that really wants to make a great podcast series but can't get the money and then actually this is a nice alternative than trying to sign up you know um you know quip uh, quip electric toothbrushes and uh you know and all other things so mm. um, you know so that's probably a good thing yeah i think um particularly for those those podcasts that target a really large audience the generic advertising in those i think can be quite grating when you when you're listening to a sort of a niche podcast and the the advertising is a you know a lot more relevant. Mm. Um, that's maybe not not quite as bad, and there are probably other interesting dynamics around how you make how you make that sort of thing work. Yeah, um, and I think also um, you know people now beginning to understand the benefit of dynamic ad insertion, and so you know I hear less advertising for you know Blue Apron and less advertising for. 
the US postage service. I'm sure it's very good, but I have no need for US postage. Um, you know, so I think, you know, the more of that that goes on, the better. The, the latest um, revenue figures for, for the podcasting world seems to show that about 48% of all of the podcast revenue was done through dynamic ad insertion. Um, and I think that's that, that's good news for, you know, where we go in future. It's particularly good news for us here because it means that typically they don't sell the ads in Australia or in New Zealand. So therefore, Not you yet. hear these you hear these beautiful um, uh, podcasts with no advertising in <laughs> yeah. them at all. Yeah, that's which great, is isn't which it? is always a lovely thing. Yeah, well, although that seems to be changing, well, certainly mm. hearing more of those insertions. All right, well, thanks everybody for uh, for listening in to the New Zealand Tech Podcast again. Uh, now, um, James, what's the best way to uh, to track you down or to uh, uh, to find pod news well to find pod news you want to go to podnews.net uh, we're also in uh, every single uh, podcast uh, app out there and quite a few that you've never heard of as well which is uh, always nice um, uh, so that's uh, all good and to find me more personally then my uh, website address is james.crid.land I like it I mm. like it very 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 cool um, now if you're listening in and you've yet to fill out our listener survey, uh, we do have changes afoot, uh, but we're really keen to hear from as many of you as possible. So please go to nztechpodcast.com slash survey and uh, f- give us your feedback. We've had a, had a whole heap already. Um, I would I would say the, the those that have been holding out, uh, some some of them have the the best feedback. Um, so we, we we'll probably see more more of the critics come out of the woodwork to the towards the end of the survey, uh, which I actually I really really appreciate. We've had a lot of people with with just great positive feedback and don't change anything in the show. That's great. Uh, but you know very very keen to hear what whatever your thoughts are, um, and some people being quite vocal around the length of the show as well and saying you know things like look I couldn't cope with there being being any less than an hour of the New Zealand Tech Podcast <laughs> each week, and other people saying, "Well, keep, keep it under thirty minutes if you could." Paul would uh, would suit me. So um, we're, we're going to we're going to have to weigh up those uh, those numbers and decide uh, what the future of the show uh, looks like in the not too distant future. So the fact that you're actually putting this survey at the end of the podcast <laughs> would seem to be skewing <laughs> me. <laughs> anyway, let's um, not go there. Um, yes, it's, it's an interesting thought. James uh, I always think it's best to promote at the end of the show rather than when people are about to stop and may be able to do something else but I think uh, you're absolutely right and uh, as I always say <laughs> the length of a podcast should be as long as it needs but not a second longer the New Zealand Tech Podcast brought to you by Gorilla Technology proactive and strategic IT